record button. Uh, hello, Nikolai, and uh, we are here with uh, Nikolai and Martin. Uh, Nikolai is a physicist, uh, originally from Moscow, Moscow State mm -hmm. University, and uh, now he's studying also physics in Princeton University, New Jersey. And uh, <clears throat> he already told us that originally he was interested in biology and then decided to go into physics because uh, the biology wasn't hard enough, right? <laughs> no, I mean, it was, uh, it, 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 it was interesting hard enough. It's just uh, I wanted to do something like more fundamental. It's like there is a saying is it's like uh, biology is applied chemistry, chemistry is applied physics, physics is applied math. So yeah, so at the base of this is math, right? Yeah, but I did. <laughs> I decided not to go that far. Yeah, and math is applied philosophy. So <laughs> yeah, and philosophy is applied psychology, and psychology, I guess, is applied by uh, is applied biology. Yeah, it's a loop. There, there goes it's a loop. Circle, yeah. <laughs> huh. Great. Um, and um, we will return to this question that I asked to Katya, like, mm, do you think mass is invented or discovered? Mm, uh, it's, it's, it's a hard question. I think it's, uh, as most of uh, the deep and complicated questions, somewhere in between. Right. So, of course, um, uh, it is being... Uh, uh, of course, there, 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 uh, I mean, there, uh, there is objectively some logic to this world, and there are objectively, as we can see, some uh, like laws to this world. But uh, yeah, uh, we have our own way of like interpreting and see, seeing the world, and yeah, the system that the way we see the world, either through through just our mundane uh, seeing of the world or through like sciences, it's intrinsically tied to our psychology. So masses so it's, it's a kind of in between and it's not and fundamental i think it's not it's impossible to disentangle uh because we have only perceived the world through our eyes we cannot uh disentangle what what we perceive the world is from what the world is but uh is there's definitely something out or more out there than just our minds yeah and uh, there is uh, Sorry, some, even that? even something yeah. like uh the uh, different devices uh, cannot uh, mm -hmm. perceive, you know, uh, can it be, can it be so like other dimensions? I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I just wanted to say that fundamentally uh, uh, there, there, uh, there is this uh, uh, fundamentally one of the cornerstones of our uh, I, I don't know, uh, modern physics is quantum mechanics and quantum theory in general. And uh, quantum theory has this uh, interpretation problem uh, that uh, it, like, it's a consistent theory of predicting like, how the world behaves, but there is a process of measurement there uh, and no one really understands what it, is, uh, what it is to observe something in quantum mechanics. And a lot of people attribute that to uh, us uh, not having a proper understanding of our mind that uh, that quantum mechanics quantum mechanics somehow should intrinsically uh, uh, 
should it should should intrinsically be a theory of not just the world but like our mind perceiving the world uh, i mean one of the uh people who share this view i guess is roger penrose his theories are sometimes may be controversial but yeah uh, uh so maybe yeah maybe it is impossible to um understand the reality without understanding how we understand the reality there's not maybe we cannot like see the reality itself only our like view on the reality yeah and so and maybe uh, and it's physics yeah and uh, neither me nor martin is a physicist and mm -hmm. um uh lots of things uh, you tell us about are a bit confusing but i i at least heard about this uh, controversy in quantum mechanics that mm -hmm. once you observe something it tends to disappear and some effect you know like with a double split experiment and uh, can mm -hmm. you elaborate a bit on how it works and what's the magic behind it all okay uh i guess uh well i believe the true way of viewing physics is through by looking at its math because in its heart physics is not just about like grand philosophical ideas it's about like some math uh that uh predicts some specific things like the probability of the de decay of this atom is so and so or uh if we do this and this like particles will uh, fly away with this and this velocity so mathematically, what happens is that uh, there is a theory, and it's described with some uh, within some mathematical framework. But then, when you perform a measurement, it cannot be uh, included into this mathematical framework. Something else happens uh, mathematically, and uh, that is not like within the theory. And no one cannot, and no one can um, uh, make a complete theory that would be completely uh, self-consistent. So. Uh, this is the, the the heart of the problem and then uh, when people have this inconsistency people try to give an interpretation to that uh, and there are many interpretations uh, one of uh, they go from something mild uh, like something uh, as mild as just uh, famous interpretation by Richard Feynman shut up and calculate <laughs> where it just we, we, we shouldn't care about what, why the math is so strange it is what it is and uh, uh, mm -hmm. we should just use it to uh, this like Everett's ideas about like m multiverse that like every time we make a measurement universe splits into two or into, uh -huh. uh, more than two uh -huh. or uh, ultimately uh, uh, I think the ultimate interpretation that I heard in terms of like uh, uh, yeah well I guess uh, the maximum view on this subject I heard is it's called uh, cubism, quantum biasianism, and basically it says that our uni uh, our world isn't can cannot be completely understood by us, and the quantum mechanics is just the the big the best approximation to uh, predicting uh, the results of physical experiments from uh, all the possible information that can we can get about them. So it's not that theory is uh, incomplete and we should complete it somehow. It's just like our understanding is fundamentally intrinsically. Uh, Incomplete, it cannot be. Uh, we cannot have a perf perf perfect theory that will describe the world. Uh -huh. Yeah, I see. And uh, I'm so curious how is it possible that observing something can make an impact and change something? Uh, um, is there some mechanism that uh, physicists uh, uh, like consider to be an explanation of this phenomenon? Well, uh, if there would be a, me a mechanism that physicists would consider 
I mean, mm -hmm. uh, that, that would be a clear mechanism that this would consider an explanation. There, there wouldn't be any paradox that would say, like, oh, it's solved, yeah, let's go on to mm -hmm. something, something else. Uh, but some people think it's, uh, uh, it's, 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 maybe it's related to consciousness. But ultimately, uh, I mean, physically, what happens is something like that. It's uh, like you, you can describe in evolution how your system changes with time. Um, uh, and uh, you do it in a certain way. But then when you try to measure something, you cannot do it in the, uh, uh, in the uh, well, I guess the way you do it is, I, I don't know, when you measure temperature, you put a thermometer and uh, take a reading. So mm -hmm. you couple, you connect one like system that you observe to some some system which 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 you measure, and then they get like so called it's it's called in physics entanglement. They get entangled, and uh, when it, uh, and that you can describe within quantum mechanics. But then you need to observe for like the uh, thermometer and it gets entangled, and uh, with like you observing it, and so so goes the chain. The thing is that quantum mechanics predicts. Uh, probabilistic worldview that there are, there are, I don't know, like phys physics is described with, it's not exactly pro probability, but everything, but there are like probabilities of thing, this thing potentially happening, this thing potentially happening, this thing potentially happening, but uh, and in microphysics, uh, but what, when we look at something, we don't see that, uh, we don't see like, I don't know, a cat being dead with 50% and dead and 50% alive, it's either dead or alive. And uh, so quantum mechanics contradicts in this sense with what we see. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, when we get, when system gets entangled there, it's still intrinsically quantum when, when we measure things. But um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm sound too confusing at this point. No, no, actually following you. Yeah, it, it uh, makes sense. Uh, so uh, we know how to describe like measurement in terms of like quantum mechanics, but then uh, we can only do so by uh, connecting one quantum system to some another quantum system. We can say that like we, we put the thermometer, which is a quantum system, and we look at it, which is a quantum system, but our world is actually classical. We don't see like things happening and not, not happening at the same time or happening and not happening with some probabilities. So this is the, the contradiction. Quantum mechanics gives a way of like predicting probabilities of some events, events but uh ultimately what we see is some scenario it's not a bunch of probabilities so this is where inconsistency goes it's it's it's, it's actually it's very uh mind-blowing in a sense that uh you would think that uh, i mean the the, the grades uh on, on on the shoulders of uh whom the modern science is built uh they thought that uh the science can like explain everything and our goal is maybe we wouldn't be able to explain everything in our lifetime but we can like asymptotically step-by-step -step approach this goal of explaining everything and then quantum mechanics is like oh yeah there is a way of explaining many things but it doesn't explain everything and uh deal with it yeah so it's kind of mind-blowing that actually you don't you can have a theory that explains a lot but it doesn't explain everything and I mean, in a sense that it gives you exact predictions for, for the experiment, but it doesn't uh, explain you what was actually happening there. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And as you talk about probability, it's, mm -hmm. it's a very interesting concept. And as I heard, uh, like physicists say that the only true 
probability exists exactly in this quantum world, you know? Uh, am I right? Yeah. Because well, other, like, if we um, get a function in MATLAB, you know, to mm -hmm. generate some random numbers, they aren't actually random, and it's all predictable, it's all deterministic, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. if you want uh, the pure raw randomness, you should go to the quantum level, and that's very curious, what's going on there? How is it uh, we only can find probabilities there? Mm, randomness. Well, uh, uh, well, uh, it, it it is too. Ra it's well. I mean, uh, I guess you can think of two kind of randomness. Randomness from um, uh, um, you can have a system which is like really really complicated. Like I don't know, a gas with like uh, ten to the power twenty three uh, particles going around hitting each other, and uh, when you uh, measure something there. Uh, you, I mean, if you take a particle and measure its speed, even the, even if you knew uh, all about this gas at a certain point, I mean, everything interacts with with each other. Uh, things get so complicated that it's impossible to uh, figure out. Like, uh, I mean, technically, it is possible to trace every particle's motion, uh, suppose in classical physics. Uh, but uh, actually, it's impossible to get like, uh, I mean, uh, to, to to solve this problem. And there are like so many factors that uh, probability is a good approximation. Uh, so this is uh, for, for what, what, ha what, what happens. And there are, of course, mathematical disciplines that allow you to, to say how well, like in this like, complicated system where you have many factors and you see something which looks like random, how, how random it is, it's called ergodic theory. Uh, uh, but ultimately, there is this one kind of probability that appears uh, from uh, you not knowing uh, or not being able to figure out uh, an influence of many, many, many factors. And this is what happens in the real world. But uh, ultimately, there is this another kind of probability, which uh, you take a simple system like an atom. I mean, atom can be considered, I mean, some people might think atom is, is complicated, but actually, uh, we can fairly well uh, say uh, all about it. Every, uh, everything that uh, we, we want to, every question we want to ask, we can answer about it. So it's uh, in this sense, it's a simple system, uh, and yet it uh, behaves um, in probabilistic manner. For instance, uh, yeah, like it's we like excite it to some level, and then it uh, decays and produces photon, and uh, we can measure the average uh, uh, time that it will take for it to produce a photon, but uh, it wouldn't like be just exact same time every time it would be some, some probabilistic distribution so in this sense it's, it is pure so there are these two kinds of probabilities yeah but uh, <coughs> but ultimately uh as you can say as you can notice that uh i mean ultimately everything consists of atoms so if you have uh if you have some uh this true probability and you have some probability from uh, uh things being complicated uh uh that ultimately these complicated things things reduce to uh, atoms that are true probabilistic. So it is uh, very often impossible to disentangle what is uh, what is the nature of like uh, of randomness, uh, whether it's like uh, randomness from a complication uh, from things being complicated to randomness from, from quantum mechanical randomness because they're both they're they're both there. And you, I mean, if it's like ball flying around the room, 
and you think about its speed, it's probably this quantum randomness is negligible. But if it's some biological system or like cell, it can be it can be both. So yeah, I don't know. It, it, but does it answer your question? Or yeah, more or less? yeah, it, it does. And uh, you have a very good <clears throat> like insight that um, I want to elaborate a bit more about. So for example, mm, uh, the big question is, is our world deterministic or not? Does this quantum randomness uh, imply that actually everything in the world is random in its uh, initial stage? Mm -hmm. Or um, like uh, they say, there is a concept where if we know everything mm -hmm. about every particle and stuff, we can predict uh, the future 100%. Um, and that's the deterministic uh, kind of concept. Uh, can it be applied mm -hmm. once we know the quantum world? It's, it, it's, a, it's a very good question. I, I mean, a short answer to this question, yeah, we know that the world is ultimately probabilistic and ultimately random, and uh, it is impossible. Quantum mechanics tells us that, like, knowing the, I mean, I guess quantum particles are not exactly described by their position, but by some, some other entity called uh, wave function. So if we know wave fun like original wave function of, of particles, uh, we would be able to predict like exactly they behave. It's not true. Quantum mechanics tells us so. But uh, the next question is, what uh, does it matter? Because I mean, even though these atoms behave in some random way, when we look at some uh, real world things, like we look at the clock, yeah, I mean, it's still it's pretty deterministic. So mm -hmm. does it matter that the, ultimately uh, there is this quantum randomness? or uh, uh, this quantum randomness it, like, is comparatively insignificant when we talk about like, you know, human mind and things in our uh, daily life. Uh, maybe this quantum randomness is only important when we think about some particles decaying and that's it. Uh, so to this question, no one knows the answer. There are some, some people who think that because of, uh, how, uh, our, because of our, how our mind is so complicated and we have nothing like uh, not the system like our mind. It should be. It shouldn't be described as uh, just like mere mechanism, and there should be some quantum, uh, complicated quantum behavior and quantum randomness with that. Some people think, oh, but even though there is this quantum randomness, that it kind of get averaged out, and uh, it's it's insignificant when it's, when it's, when you talk about our mind. So uh, no one knows the answer. It's uh, one of the big mysteries, and I don't know if it will be answered within our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also it's very interesting about um, how probabilities uh, kind of manifest in the world by certain distributions. And as, as they say, that the, the true randomness, like uniform distribution where we can't see any pattern after all, mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a phenomena and information where we mm -hmm. have the most information because we can't reduce it to any formula. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you, you can't um, kind of uh, set some pattern that can uh, uh, reduce uh, the information and uh, um, like true randomness of in the uniform distribution is the most complex thing, right? Mm, well, I mean, uh, complex in a way of uh, thinking about it or complex in a way of, I mean, on one hand, you say it's complex because we, we know nothing about it. On the other hand, 
uh, it's actually simple because it's like the simplest thing you can imagine. I mean, things are getting more complicated and more correlated and uh, uh, more unevenly distributed in some weird fashion. It's more complicated than just the, the simplest thing possible, just uniformly yeah. randomly, uniformly evenly distributed thing. Yeah, but uh, I so, meant like if you try to uh, mm -hmm. records this information like you have a position of mm -hmm. uh, um, I'm just imagining a graph two-dimensional graph mm -hmm. where we have a certain yeah. distribution uniform of dots you know and if, yeah. you, if, if it's completely uniform you have to know the position of every particle and it, it puts you on a very long list of every particle but if you have a certain mm -hmm. distribution like I don't know uh, like x squared you know you, you can yeah. just uh, uh, type x squared and you have all the dots you need yeah. and you don't have to write down every position of the particle yeah yeah people yeah uh, this is this is true and yeah people have a uh, introduced a special uh, like measure for this randomness is called a shed on entropy you've probably, oh. probably heard of it yeah so like uh, if, in case everything is evenly distributed uh, in case when everything is evenly distributed you have uh, the highest possible uh, in the Shannon information entropy, and uh, uh, in case that you know everything, uh, this entropy is zero. It comes from like physics entro entropy from physics, where phys physics entropy is also kind of like how like uh, uncertain you are about your system, in, yeah. in, but in in, in in a quite different in in a, in a bit different way, not quite different, but in a bit different way. Yeah, and I, I was also always fascinated by. Um, a central limit theorem and how mm -hmm. it applies to the normal distribution and how it manifests uh, itself in so many areas in life. Uh, and um, um, I don't remember the whole definition, but uh, as, as I remember, mm -hmm. it's something like if we take averages uh, of measurements of a certain variable, uh, those averages are usually normally distributed. Is it something uh -oh. like that? Yeah, something like that. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's something like that. I would, uh, if to say more precisely, if you take a sum of uh, a lot of uh, random things, uh, uh, no matter how they are distributed, uh, I mean, you can of course you can give a more precise mathematical statement on uh, on w w when this actually applies. But if you take the sum of a lot of random uh, factors, you get normal distribution. Right. So this is this this kind of the the, uh, what I would call a central limit theory. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is really fascinating that it works. And actually, it kind of again as uh, there is there. There are two sides of uh, uh, of every coin. On one hand, it's like really fascinating. On another hand, it really simplifies our life. I mean, uh, imagine if it wouldn't be true. We'd like need to study so many different special cases. But here. Uh, I mean, we can apply it to like everything, and yeah. uh, we know that everything is described by this relatively simple rule that you have to get normal distribution. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, when we talk about normal distribution, it always kind mm -hmm. of uh, implies randomness. But if we look closely, it's not necessarily random because we have this mm -hmm. bell density. You know, we have mm -hmm. uh, frequency um, yeah. centered in the middle, where the the most frequent events occur, and then it flattens out. But uh, the most kind of uh, uh, exciting characteristics of that are that it's usually symmetrical. You know, uh, yeah. you have uh, 
uh, same amount of stuff on the right hand and on the left hand mm -hmm. of the mean. And also um, uh, the fact that even if you have an extremely deviated uh, kind of case, mm -hmm. uh, like 15 standard deviation, a million standard, it's still possible. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. Like those events are of extreme rarity, but they are possible. And uh, as I know, uh, the normal distribution actually goes from the negative infinity mm -hmm. to the positive infinity. And that's crazy. <laughs> um, well, uh, I mean, in this sense, of course, I mean, as a physicist, uh, I wouldn't say that like treating the fact that it goes from negative infinity to positive infinity uh, is, uh, is very surprising because, uh, I mean, these are mathematical models. I mean, uh, like in physics, what's really important about physics is, uh, and I guess it somewhat goes along the way with what I said about quantum mechanics, uh, there might not be a true theory, or we might not know a true theory of everything. We, but for every single situation, we have some model. It model, it's this model is uh, in some sense idealized, and uh, it it has a scope of application. Uh, and this the kind of uh, the same thing kind of happens with uh, this negative infinity, positive infinity. I mean, it, this 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 is this is this is the model when we. But I mean. Uh, we don't expect that if we have some normal distribution that, I mean, uh, suppose that if we take distribution of uh, the people in some city or, I don't know, uh, we don't expect that we get, I don't know, a uh, hundred billion people there. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, has a scope, it's, it has a scope of application. So we shouldn't like think about this, these things too seriously, I think. Yeah. I just thought that maybe ma mathematically it's somehow meaningful to understand that it can uh, reach uh, negative and positive infinity. I, I don't know if it's uh, relevant, but it's it's a, it's a fan fact. Yeah, it always. I would uh, say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was yeah, fascinated sorry. that in the formula of no normal distribution. I don't know if it's just an approximation or a true kind of uh, essence of. Uh, uh, r r normal randomness that we have pi there, we have Euler's number, and uh, somehow it's all connected, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. as they have this famous formula where yeah. uh, p uh, Euler's number and uh, um, yeah. how how do they call it inverse to the power yeah. I, I pi plus one equals to zero. Yeah. 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 Imaginative numbers, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Imaginary, yeah. Imaginary numbers, yeah. Uh, so that's fascinating. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it has, uh, I mean, all these numbers are kind of, uh, for instance, let's, let's take pi. Uh, why do, where do these, all these like pi numbers come from? I mean, it, it happens that in our like world, which is, which has kind of a flat geometry, the ratio of uh, uh, circumference to radius is two pi. So this is why we get uh, these pi's like everywhere. So uh, I mean, when we have some some something related in some way to geometry, we'll, we're bound to have pi's. But uh, and uh, uh, e like e order number when we when we have something related to 
like taking derivatives or integrals, we have this order number because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very related to this area of math. So it's kind of, I guess, connected to the question, uh, is mathematica, uh, mathematics uh, discovered or is it uh, uh, invented? In a sense yeah. that with that, the fact that we use these set of mod models, uh, apply these set of models to what we study uh, implies that we get this constant there because these constants are very fundamental to uh, the area of mathematics we use. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, there are so many interesting phenomena with those numbers. Like <clears throat> I heard, <clears throat> sorry, that um, if you take uh, lengths of any river and divide it by the distance, uh, like connect two points um, mm -hmm. where you measure the lengths, mm -hmm. and you get the pi. Uh, and uh, if you do it across uh, multiple river, uh, rivers, the more precise pi you you get. Like imagine you have such a river, you know, mm -hmm. like Moscow River, yeah. and uh, you measure like um, uh, its whole length, you know, like uh, how, yeah. uh, what's the length if you uh, swim th through through the river, and also yeah. the length that goes, yeah, through yeah, what's the distance, and you get the pi, and it's amazing, right? Um, because it's circular in nature. Uh, something, something with your sound, or is it has it got got better again? Say something. Uh, yeah, now now it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it better now? Yeah, yeah it is. It is really. Uh, it, it, it is. It is really fascinating. Yeah, problem uh, for like leisure thinking. If I like, I mean, I, uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a good puzzle to disentangle again yeah. every time. Yeah, and uh, in general, as a physicist, are you also like a fan of mass, or is mass more of a tool for you to study physics? Well, I am doing theoretical physics, so uh, theoretical physics is a uh, is, is, is it's it's a kind of it's it's a mathematical way of, of studying physical systems. So <laughs> I don't well. Uh, there are two approaches to math. Uh, I mean, I guess the history of math is the following. Like originally, there was no math in physics. Uh, there were uh, there was there were no math and uh, there was no math and there is no was no physics. There was like some something uh, like united. I mean, Euler or Lagrange, they were simultaneous mathematicians and physicists. But uh, at some point in the 19th century, people realized that. Uh, we should give more rigor to our statements. We shouldn't just say, uh, we should be able to axiomatize, axiomatize things. And uh, people started developing formal logic and uh, started systematizing mathematics. And at that point, mathematics diverged from physics. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are people who think that nowadays mathematics should be uh, uh, a science about uh, rigorous statements and theorems derived from a set of axioms. Uh, uh, and there are people who think that uh, math should actually keep, uh, uh, I mean, one of the proponents of this the view is like famous Bourbaki um, uh, French mathematical school. And, but there are also people and mathematicians who think that math should stay in its like original way of kind of like, uh, which is inseparable from physics. It's a kind of 
this like massive physics-y way of like we have a system, what can we say about it mathematically? What rules can we derive? What 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 consequences from these rules uh, can we get? How can we like get some equations? How can we solve these equations? And there are proponents of this view. Uh, and I think I would, I'm a proponent of this view. And I mean, there are not just like theoretical physicists uh, are, are proponents of this view because I mean, yeah, we're like physicists and mathematicians, we're everyone. Uh, we're like, we're, we're doing everything. Uh, but I mean, many famous mathematicians, for instance, Vladimir Arnold, a famous Russian mathematician who developed like atomic like uh, nonlinear dynamical systems. Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. oh sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, he also was was a proponent of this this idea. So I think that physics and math is inseparable. Great. Yes, hey guys, can you actually hear me? Is 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 the is, is the game okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll, I'll attempt to uh, just decrease the <coughs> the complexity of this discussion. I feel like we we <laughs> we have to re-listen to the whole thing. <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in terms of. We had this uh, discussion with Mikhail about the the, the actual util utilitarian value of uh, math, which is sort of uh, indisputable, right? You know, there's no question ab uh, about that. We watched mm -hmm. this uh, this video of uh, of a British guy, uh, sort of mm -hmm. uh, pro providing few reasons uh, of why it's of extreme value, or or let's say why it's useful to uh, to learn Chinese, right? And since you're sort of you know mm -hmm. you have one leg, or, or maybe let's say you're sort of involved in both. I'd like to get your take on, you know, mm -hmm. on uh, so, so you know, so basically, my view is that Chinese is 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 going to be big, and that that the sort of world of of uh, newness that it provides is 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 amazing, right? You know, the whole sort of uh, new, uh, let's say, meaning um, um, like universe, right? In terms of how how they yeah. view things and events and 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 things, right? And uh, Mikhail's mm -hmm. sort of perspective is that I mean I don't see any value in that. <laughs> like for example, you know, math is, you know, has a, has much more, um, mo yeah, much I mean has a lot more to offer in terms of let's say maybe you meant the utilitarian um, in in the utilitarian modern world or or just as a as a thinking tool or uh, something that that's good to pursue on your own. What what was your your take, Mikhail? Uh, yeah, m my position was Martin was telling me like go learn Chinese because it's it's awesome. <laughs> but uh, uh, for me, uh, I said that um, if you are gonna stand, spend lots of time and effort on something, it's better be math, for example, and sciences because. Uh, Chinese is basically a version of a language. You can say same things uh, in Chinese as you can in Russian or English, basically, more or less. You have some variations. But uh, my point was just, if you are gonna spend lots of time and effort, it's, go it's better be STEM fields and mathematics, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I would say um, that, um, Mm. I, I would I would say that well, like two, 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 two things about it. First thing is uh, it's impossible. I mean, this personally for me, it's impossible to focus on some, on one thing because if I feel that I, if I focus just on one thing, uh, I, I slowly start going mad because <laughs> I mean you have to diversify what you do, and uh, uh, many mathematicians. Uh, 
uh, go you know, crazy. You, yeah, go crazy. And actually, it's, it's, it's even more, it's, it's crazier than you think. If you look like biography of some mathematicians, like, oh, he's like a very distinguished guy. And then at some point, oh, yeah, he spent like two months in mental mental hospital. Really? Uh, so, yeah, you, uh, you should you should do both. But uh, 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 as for like the utility, I feel like it's, it's kind of like, why do we study math and uh physics uh, in school it's not it's not just because we i mean we don't study this like newton's law because we are gonna i don't know calculate what the force should we apply to 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 to, to a system of two blocks uh while we study it it kind of gives us a, a mindset about the structure of how what, what are the good questions to ask what is the good way of thinking about problems and math uh we should study math because it teaches us um uh, to ask right questions, to think, to see the structure in not just in math but in other areas as well, and, and physics uh, teaches us to uh, see what's important, what factors are important, what are uh, not, what what factors are not important, and how can we develop a model of, of something. In that sense, uh, of uh, yes, of course, uh, Chinese is a simple is, is a is just like an instance of a language. It's just like, but. Uh, Learning more and more languages, we kind of see deeper into the structure of what language is. And it's actually connected in a way uh, to your questions about math being created and uh, math, uh, math being discovered, math being invented. Because, I mean, there is this, this, this famous, famous philosopher, Wittgenstein, um, uh, 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 who, yeah, yeah uh, who, who by, by the end of his life started, yeah, I mean, uh, basically the way that we think is how is, the way, is how a language is structured. In a, I mean, it's like in, inter, inter, intertwined. So uh, I don't know, but, but, but both are important uh, in a sense that both like expand our, teach us new things, new ways to think and new ways to see uh, the world and approach like different problems in our life. Yeah. And uh, what what are the reasons for you studying Chinese? How you came up with the idea, and what motivates you? Uh, well, uh, one thing is that I spent like a year of my life uh, living in Hong Kong. Uh, I was uh, in in a high school there, in a col in in a college high school. Uh, I mean, because in the US, people say that people usually call uh, their higher I mean, their higher education institutions colleges instead of universities. Uh, so, uh, and, and in the U.S., it's like when you say I, I was in college there, it's like, oh yeah, what kind of, uh, uh, yeah, did you, did you get like bachelor's degree there? <laughs> so like, no, mm -hmm. uh, it's just high school. So yeah. yeah and uh, college is and, completely different thing in Russia also. <laughs> it's confusing yeah, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you say, uh, college, uh, like, yeah, uh, what was what's called the college in Russia, it's probably called community college in the U.S. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I will. I had when I was there. I had to choose uh, like a, I guess six courses: one math course, two language courses, two uh, like one social science, one natural science, and one of my course of my choice. And I really wanted to choose Chinese, but I was get persuaded. But I had to choose like two language courses. Uh, I got persuaded that I should choose like English course. 
like as my second choice in Russian course, as my first choice, Russian self-taught, I just passed exams. I wouldn't actually attend classes. There were no, I mean, I was the only Russian there. Uh, so uh, because like uh, uh, English as a main language was too, compl too, too complicated for me. Uh, and uh, I ended up not having, uh, not being able to take Chinese, which I uh, really regret. And from that time, I uh, really wanted to take it. But now I like realized that it's probably the last time I, my schedule is going to be as flexible. And I have this wonderful institution, Princeton University, which has this intense and really great Chinese program uh, for free. And I just can go and take it. And uh, if I, when I graduate from here, I wouldn't have another opportunity like that. And I wouldn't have time for, uh, for, for that. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 yeah, so this is kind of, well, uh, it's one thing. Another thing is I try every few years to uh, pick up a different uh, subject or a different area to uh, just to study. Like uh, a, few, a few years back, I did the same thing with Latin because I was mm. really fascinated by Latin. So I feel that like uh, you should every few years pick like your, I don't know, side area. And uh, at least I'm the kind of person who this is perhaps but why I'm so good at, uh, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to talk about but why am I, I, I somewhat good at math is that, or science is that uh, I'm really a cyclic person in a sense that if I see something, I get, I concentrate uh, around it a lot. I forget about everything. Uh, so the way for me to learn new stuff is just pick a new area every few years to uh, put my 100% uh, into. Uh, and uh, yeah. This, okay, this is why this this, uh, this time is, is Chinese. Three questions. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, what was your level initially, and and then what is Princeton's approach to to, to Chinese? And the third question is, how do you maintain what you've already uh, gained with this intense, uh, uh, let's say, acquisition time or, or or the time of intense focus? Uh, okay, my level is uh, uh, is. Mm, I, I used to be able to understand some uh, signs in Hong Kong. Oh, sorry. Uh, I used to be able to understand some signs in Hong Kong and I used to be able to uh, uh, understand some like announcements in the, in the subway, uh, which is in Hong Kong, I think it's called MTR. Um, yeah, so, and I knew some characters, but uh, n n no systematic, no systematic level, I would say almost zero. Uh, as for uh, Princess approach, it's basically like uh, all in. So uh, if you study, if you pick a language here, it's uh, you have classes every day. Uh, you spend an hour every day, and on Friday we also have an hour. Uh, like a like every Friday we have a test for another hour, a quiz for another hour. Uh, so yeah, it's like intensely putting everything into learning, 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 learning it for, for like a year or two. And then uh, people, uh, if they stay that long, they can choose to uh, do an internship or, I mean, to, uh, tra tra to travel to study abroad in the country uh, uh, which, uh, which language they're uh, studying. Okay. So this, kind of, this is kind of the approach. And, but yeah, it's, uh, on downside, it's like really intense and really consumes a lot of time. And it's hard to uh, manage it, put it uh, into my, my schedule. Yeah. And also we are curious about uh, um, 
you have both the experience of ha having a great education in Russia and also uh, the great education you are now having in Princeton. What kind of differences, similarities, uh, comparisons do you see? And um, yeah, tell mm -hmm. us about that. Uh, well, uh, first of all, uh, like generally Russian education system and well, it's actually, uh, I, I talked to a lot of people here and I realized it's not actually Russian versus Western, Western, but uh, uh, European continental versus uh, Anglo-Saxon. Uh -huh. So uh, European continental way of uh, learning things is this like fundamental way of like uh, coming to for instance, studying math, where you, you, you come, to, or studying like physics, you come to, 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 to the first, uh, in your first year, in your freshman year, you come into, into your university and they teach you from like definition of like real numbers, what, what, what a number is. Mm -hmm. And then basically any other theorem in your math course uh, or any other physics idea, it's like can be like derived from the first yeah. principles. Uh, whereas uh, Anglo-Saxon approach is more like uh, we'll give you a lot, a lot of different diverse examples, and uh, but without going too deep into it. And if you want to go too deep into it, deep into it, you you do it yourself. And uh, it, it it saves it, it kind of saves a lot of time, but I feel that it lacks or it, it it really lacks on the depth sometimes. But uh, another thing, uh, yeah. Uh, it's uh, well. It, it's it's hard to say ultimately uh, which system is better. Uh, I mean, both has its pros and cons. Uh, but if you look at the people who, uh, for instance, apply for PhD and study PhD, you only see the successful people who like survived in each of the systems. Yeah, and, survivorship uh, bias. bias yeah. yeah, and. Uh, uh, more like applied and uh, uh, diverse way of like uh, doing, uh, not going too deep, but doing a lot of different things and trying a lot of different things and maybe uh, of Western, I mean, you see the most successful examples of that uh, in, the P, in the PhD program. So, and again, uh, going too deep and uh, maybe not spending enough time for actual practical applications, uh, continental kind of way. Also, I mean, I see the most successful example here. So it's a bit hard for me to, uh, distinguish which I mean uh, uh, b b b uh, I only see the successful, successful piece yeah but uh, the good thing you had uh, um, kind of benefits from the both world <laughs> you took the best uh, from the both world uh, uh, yeah but uh, generally I mean I, I would prefer Russian system over uh, over American system at least at the beginning you know because you have mm -hmm. to build the, the, the fundamental yeah. structure, the base uh, at first, and then you can um, uh, do the American way, Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, the, the, the problem about American way is that uh, I feel it's uh, kind of, uh, it is considered very successful and it itself considers very successful, but uh, the problem is that uh, America is, uh, uh, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's, the, it's probably the, still the biggest economy and uh, uh, yeah uh, I don't know if Martin wants to <laughs> say that no China is more important now uh, yeah it's um, uh, 
uh, a lot of people want to go and get education there because it offers uh, 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 great job opportunities. So, um, in in a sense, uh, uh, American education I feel become not like uh, it's not like universities are not good at giving education. It's just they take the the, the best the best students from like around the cool. world, and mm -hmm. then uh, these students are like super hyper motivated, hyper. Uh, very intelligent and they will succeed in any environment. So I feel that in this sense, uh, some, some, some courses here are really great, but some courses are, are okay. It's just uh, if you take the, a lot of very good students and like the, the best uh, research scientists in the world in some area, you're, gonna, you're, you're bound to get great results. Right. Uh, so, and in, even, even if your quality of your education uh, is, is not very great. And actually, uh, another thing is that all these universities, if you look at, at like uh, elementary courses, like introduction to Chinese, these are very well organized and they're amazing. But if you look at more advanced courses, they're usually taught by really like distinguished and famous professors. Mm -hmm. And uh, distinguished and famous professors don't like to teach that much. They like to do research. So mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they really lack, lack the quality because uh, these, uh, like for instance, we have this like famous example in our department, Professor Duncan Haldane, who is like uh, who got Nobel Prize a few years back, but he's like a horrible teacher, and everyone is like, oh, he's, 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 he's such he's such a horrible he's such a horrible teacher. So in in a sense that uh, I feel that uh, in professional education, American top American universities suffer quite a lot because uh, they just hire like very distinguished professors who don't care about teaching. And uh, as for the students, they're like hyper motivated and uh, uh, very smart and they will like succeed regardless. And if they don't want to succeed, they just won't progress to the next level. And uh, at the PhD level or at postdoc level or at the faculty level, you'll see the most successful uh, yeah. people from the previous stage. So this yeah. is, I feel, the huge problem of uh, US system. Yeah, and um, I heard there is uh, like research that tells about the bias that exists in a kind of common uh, uh, within the common ideas of people is that uh, people think that if you go into an Ivy League uh, university, mm -hmm. it's the university that may, made you who you are eventually. Mm -hmm. yeah? But uh, it turns out that the main thing uh, uh, that such high-ranking universities do is the filter uh, in acceptance, yeah. in, in uh, who they accept, because they just accept best of the best, like yeah. uh, those who are like three standard deviations uh, on the normal distribution. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, there is this effect that kind of university helps those people to succeed and uh, to become uh, famous and good scientists and stuff. But uh, the thing is, even if those people like spend their time in a library reading every possible book um, they probably would have uh, achieved uh, similar results um, and uh, yeah. just one thing more thing is that in psychology it's itself uh, we um, now understand that intelligence like what we call an IQ mm -hmm. uh, is something that you can't actually increase. It's it's mm -hmm. a number that is given to you mostly on biological terms, and it it's normally distributed and uh, with uh, mm -hmm. a mean of one hundred and a standard deviation of fifteen. And once you have this number, 
you can uh, like study as hard as, as you can, but usually you can't get uh, past this number. You can get stupider uh, in a way, but um, uh, you know, there are lots of these uh, apps like Lumosity and stuff that uh, claim to increase your intelligence, but you only become better at certain tasks. It doesn't uh, um, kind of uh, uh, transform itself on other co cognitive abilities that you have to possess uh, considering yourself a more intelligent person. So th that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, well, I wanted to add one correction about like this American University discussion. Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, it's very true that it uh, gives, uh, I mean, it's basically a stamping filter. machine that says yeah. that filters filters and stamps like that yeah. this student, uh, this, this person is uh, uh, intelligent enough and uh, motivated enough. But simultaneously, I mean, one another thing that uh, at least in science we shouldn't forget is that, I mean, uh, these universities are pretty famous and they offer like really good salaries and uh, for me it's more like an opportunity to work with uh, with a really famous and really distinguished professor like my uh, professors like my scientific advisor was the first uh, person uh, to simulate uh, numerically uh, new uh, like black hole black hole merger uh, mm. which is like now is used like everywhere for light for LIGO and uh, experiments like that so okay. uh, you kind of see I mean uh, another good thing is not just that you, you it's like it stamps you it's you have actually a lot of opportunity but it doesn't teach you to use this opportunity it just like offers you this opportunity and yeah. hopes that you're uh, you know what to do with it yeah. yeah, but with the with the IQ, yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm not a psychologist. I wouldn't be able to say how true, how, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I also heard this thing that, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I hope, yeah, that, that you cannot really go uh, up, up too high from, 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 from your, from, from your bin and it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, it's an unfair world we live in. Yeah. And uh, tell us uh, a bit more about your research. As I know, it's uh, mostly about gravitational waves, and uh, that's uh, a fascinating thing. Um, well, uh, not, not like not just not like exactly gravitational waves, but gravitational physics. Uh, basically, uh, well, I, I kind of uh, initially I tried many different things and I thought about going into like the most like mathy area of physics, which is, I mean, kind of like st 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 string theory of cytophysics. Uh -huh. But then, uh, yeah, I decided at some point, like, uh, like, as I said, like earlier about this, like I was wanted to go more, more and more and more fundamental. But at some point, like I realized that, like, uh, I mean, the more fundamental you go, the more you strip uh, what you study of interesting details. And uh -huh. uh, going into string theory is basically studying uh, things, well, not, not exactly string theory, but this area, uh, is studying things that are never going to be tested and, uh, yeah, might not even get developed to any interesting stage within our lifetime. Uh, because th that area is like a real, uh, real crisis these days, which I can talk about more, but uh, that's besides the point. So I decided to go to, into something that uh, is simultaneously like very theoretical, but but uh, and simultaneously uh, has some experimental uh, like uh, evidence, and uh, 
like physics is based on uh, modern physics is based on two giants: this quantum the quantum theory in general, uh, quote unquote, and uh, uh, and the general and uh, theory of relativity, especially general relativity. General relativity governs uh, gravity of like very of on the very large scales and then very uh, uh, strong and strong fields like black holes. Uh, so what I study is this like strong gravity, it's, uh, uh, this general relativity. Uh, I mean, uh, one of the, I mean, the major things that people do in general relativity is of course try to, because they, we just recently got this the breakthrough that with LIGO, we can actually observe gravitational waves. Of course, like a lot of attention is devoted to, into not like exactly studying gravitational waves. I mean, gravitational waves were predicted 100 years ago. We know fairly well what, it is, what a gravitational wave is, but about the sources that emit gravitational waves. And uh, one of the major uh, things that like I'm somewhat more focused on is uh, suppose like we know uh, we can simulate like black hole, how black holes merge. I mean, in order to produce like strong enough gravitational waves, we have to have like two very massive, uh, very strong gravity objects that like merge with one another or collide with one another one one another. So we know what happens with when like two black holes uh, merge. We know what happens when uh, black hole and Newton star merge. We sort of know what happens when Newton stars merge and produce gravitational waves, but are there any other processes that can, can produce gravitational waves? And can we, by detecting some uh, gravitational wave, can we like discover some, some, some new kind of like uh, astrophysical objects? Uh, and uh, can, would, would be, even if there are new, uh, Astrophysical objects would would be able to would, would be able to uh, to distinguish a gravitational wave from this object from gravitational wave from like for instance black holes. So this is kind of uh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm working on some I would say uh, more theoretical and more exotic uh, like objects to to I, I want to see how they merge, how what kind of gravitational waves they produce uh, to, to to then uh, like. So like people at LIGO would be able to, uh, if they see something, would be, they would be able to compare, compare it with uh, what, what my and my group does and see if something, it's perhaps not like a black hole, but something else. That's mm -hmm. one thing. But another thing is that there are just a lot of uh, uh, other topics that you can study, not just gravitational waves. For instance, one very prominent topic now is uh, this, there's this AHT, this like famous photograph of a black hole. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we've probably seen it. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what it sees, it sees like uh, what it hopes to, uh, hopes to see. It's it's called light ring. It's basically uh, black holes. Gravity is so strong that if you uh, shine, uh, what if you shine uh, under uh, under certain conditions uh, at a certain angle. Uh, Light, uh, like light ray, it, 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 it might not just like deflect a little bit like it would with the sun, uh, but it might actually circle a black hole once or even twice or even thrice. So now imagine that you have a disk around black hole. If mm -hmm. you look at a, certain, at a certain radius, you would be able to see, if you look like far enough, you would just be able to see a disk. But if you mm -hmm. look close enough, you'll be able to see light rays that go like once around black hole and like you see disk, uh, like an image of a disk with an image of like the back of the disk from another side. Uh -huh. Light would go like that, and uh, at a certain point, you will see like a light going like uh, three, four, many times around black hole. Uh, and this is what, and 
because uh, this light this light goes uh, around black hole. It, I mean, th this this area is very has very strong gravitational. Well, I would say gravitational fields, but mathematically, it's more like uh, gravitation is actually curve. Uh, that's how space time is curved. So it's mm -hmm. like a very curved space time. Uh, studying this light, uh, this light would be m magnified because we'll see like many many copies of of of, of, of like an accretion disk around black hole. Like, uh, black holes are usually not just like flying uh, by itself. They have like matter falling into them and this matter like forms a disk that this black hole like slowly sucks in. So by being able to see many copies of the disk, we'll be able, we, we might uh, be able to learn the properties of strong gravity in, uh, around the black hole and that would allow us to, uh, for instance, test uh, general relativity and see if it's true or just it's, like, it's interesting to understand it because we actually can, we, we are actually able to observe it. So this right. is like an, another direction I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, but there are actually many, many, many more like problems. Some of them like purely theoretical, like what happens, uh, and, and some of them are, you, you cannot like possibly observe like uh, what happens. I mean, if you, how, how does, what is a black hole? Black hole is like an object that it's so gravitationally, uh, it has such a strong gravitational attraction that uh, uh, from a certain radius, like light cannot escape. So mm -hmm. what happens, uh, uh, we, we know fairly well that like if a star like collapses, it can, like if it stars massive enough, it can uh, collapse into a black hole. And we know how like this collapse happens from the outside of this event horizon, the area from which light cannot escape. But we don't really uh, mathematically understand what happens inside the, uh, this event horizon, and there are a lot of there's a lot of attention nowadays to understand what uh, what kind of geometry you get you get inside the horizon. Yeah. So, but it's like there are, there are many aspects of gravitational physics. That's what I want to say. Gravitational waves are just is just one of them. Okay. So uh, so yeah. So so essentially. Uh, uh, it's good that you know that you uh, sort of mentioned uh, politics as something you'd like to go into. So I'd like to p uh, you know pick up on that um, topic of of Navalny. So so uh, you know the the analysis I've heard of the of the whole situation um, is that it's a good um, opportunity for you know maybe Germany and Russia to, you know to both use this episode as a as a gentle way to kill the north you know the north stream too because typically you know germany is not interested in mm -hmm. in any any you know let's say uh, human rights you know violations or uh, or you know or for or for that matter anything that goes on in russia that's not related to their uh, to their business and the current let's say mm, supply of mm -hmm. gas and and uh, and other and other uh, mm -hmm. let's say energy sources right uh what I'm like kind of more interested in discussing and thinking and doing uh, especially is uh, something that would potentially uh, have some eff 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 effect on things. And I really feel that one of the things that can potentially have eff effect on like things in Russia, uh, like regardless of on what use you actually take is, uh, is our, our Russian elections. Uh, so I like, uh, get drawn into politics in, I guess, 2011 or 2012, when there were this huge process, protests against, uh, uh, against uh, fraud, like Russian elections fraud. fraud. Uh, 
but uh, in 2013, there was this this uh, campaign for like when Navalny uh, competed with uh, current uh, Moscow mayor Sedanian uh, for the for the position of Moscow mayor. Uh, and at that point, I started. Uh, I it was like really important at that point to have independent uh, like observers at Russian elections that would monitor Russian elections and uh, ensure that they were. Um, they are uh, fair, and uh, I spend. Uh, well, I first was just like a, like an observer at Russian elections, but then I got to be. Uh, uh, I got in this business a bit deeper, and I became what is like a. I think it's like a, a member of an election committee. Uh, kind of, I think it's called like a member of election, election committee in Russia, which is basically the person you can become a person who actually hand, hands out bulletins and then counts them. And, so it's like a more intimate way of ensuring that ensuring that elections are fair, and you actually get paid some like really tiny money. Like I think I got paid like uh, seven. Well, not tiny, but not very big money. I think I got paid like seven thousand rubles per election. Uh, for, I was I was paid by by government by the government to do this job. Uh, but it's like uh, ultimately it's a it's a way of uh, monitoring that elections are fair at the most like I don't know intimate level. Uh, so what I feel is that uh, we should, um, and this is what uh, I, the view of what that was strongly reinforced uh, uh, in me by the, the U.S. system is that the, what, the most important politics doesn't happen on the top; it happens on the bottom. So uh, here in the U.S., I feel that uh, like the state and even local like counties have a lot like more power power in local matters than uh, than the the federal government. And I think this is what we should strive in Russia, uh, strive for in Russia. Uh, so if I feel that in Russia uh, there is very little interest in local uh, local elections, uh, like everyone of course cares about like electing elections like like presidential elections, but no one somewhat cares about uh, Russian parliamentary elections, but no one cares about like local like I don't know municipal uh, deputies or. Uh, even municipal parliament elections, mm -hmm. uh, not municipal parliament, sorry, like local, like city parliament or things like that. Uh, and this is why actually what I observed in the elections, like uh, these elections are very poorly attend, uh, attended, like uh, usually, I don't know, like 20% of the people of, uh, of living in like a district go to these elections to elect their local representatives. But these local representatives are actually representatives that have a potential of deciding their, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the way the way they live. They can, if like some like uh, some company or some like government governmental institution wants to build like a, a building that these people don't want, uh, it's, it is through these local uh, representatives they can influence that. Uh, so, uh, and uh, it's, this is actually how uh, I feel uh, Russian political system persists. It's that uh, people don't care about these uh, local elections, and if they don't care about these local elections, you can just, uh, I don't know, take people who are dependent on the government, like, I don't know, so, like government workers, and kind of uh, persuade them to vote for, for the candidate you want, and then no one else would come to the elections, and the the candidate uh, that uh, central government was would win, but if if we are to break that, we would be able to uh, actually have real politics, and it would not just be 
uh, a change of politics that I would personally want for Russia, but it would also be just like an appearance of politics. It would have like uh, uh, lo local representatives that would be able to support what we what, what, what want to do and simultaneously would be able to break this uh, vertical of power, how Putin likes to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, when I was in Russia, I was like, uh, uh, I was trying to, uh, yeah, to, to ensure that these elections are as fair as possible. And I, I would process, I would, I, I was, I, I, I would also, when, if I returned to Russia, I would also try to do that. And I would um, encourage everyone to do that. And I would encourage to take more uh, attention to um, these uh, these matters because it's it's actually I, I feel these matters should be uh, the matters that uh, should be the most important to, to 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 Russian citizens, and these are actually the matters that we actually can change, because uh, I mean it's it's hard with or without uh, falsification it's hard to uh, immediately to change like uh, to to elect like in, I, I don't know uh, introduce a new like president into politics but. Uh, on, on this local level, you can really like introduce independent politicians and uh, ensure that uh, they would they win and uh, thus bootstrap the Russian politics from its like non-existent state right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, lastly, uh, yeah, of course there are like a lot of troubles, uh, a lot of troubles for an independent politician in Russia. You're most likely not. You're you're very unlikely to get uh, admitted to elections. I mean, to get included in the ballot in the first place. But this is the the point where like a change really could start happening. And uh, uh, I feel that this is th th this is what we should focus, not what like what it means for uh, like. All these, all these grand geopolitical games—they are, uh, they are interesting, but they are so, not, so, impo not actually so important. Go, so, so you would go bottom up on on any sort yeah. of, uh, I don't know, political in initiatives. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But uh, what I'm sort of, uh, let's say, not, uh, not sort of clear about is is this uh, lack of interest um, in politics in general from let's say uh, from the russian public in general so so is it like on a, you know on a you know let's say you know in that let's say grassroots you know grassroots movement or uh, what where is that coming from why why is everyone so anxious and, and sort of keeping distance from from expressing their views or, or i mean is it is it not you know can you not for example be supporting uh, other people and other parties and then just provide your reasons for for that. What's what you know? Where's this uh, fear coming from? I feel it's it's it, it's very it, it's very interesting because it's a lot more subtle than that. Uh, there are like a few things. One thing is that Russia doesn't have a great history of uh, democracy in it. Uh, I mean, uh, in order for democracy to work, people should like believe in that democracy democracy work uh, works. And like Russian, I mean, Russian population never. I mean, except for maybe. A few years in the 90s, never had. Uh, I mean, was electing any other, any like new, any representatives that would actually, in a meaningful way, represent them and uh, guide the course of politics. So, like, if like this never happens, it's just it's a general impression that this like this just doesn't work. Like, we would we we might go to elections, elect someone, but then nothing would change. So why why, why bother? This is the, this is one thing. This this lack of culture. Uh, uh, this, 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 uh, and, the, and the lack of history. Another thing is, um, uh, of course, 
another thing is that uh, state uh, actively, I mean, Russian Russian government actively tries to dissuade people. I mean, the, the most important uh, uh, goal is not actually to, I don't know, suppress opposition, is to dissuade people from taking part in the politics, and they are very, very fairly good at it. And uh, one, one, thing, one thing they do is they actually not just, uh, just not allow like independent candidates to be included in the ballot if they have any chance to win. And uh, if you go, uh, if you have elections where you have like one candidate which is like pro like ruling party and uh, all other candidates that you don't know, uh, why bother going to these like, these kind of elections? Uh, right. So this is this this is uh, one thing is that th this is actually how I feel. Uh, this is uh, the system persists. So um, I feel it's uh, uh, yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not, it's not the game of people uh, fear, fearing to uh, express their views because fear is actually, I feel it's, uh, uh, people get tired of being afraid. Uh, I feel like, I mean, in Belarusia, a lot of people were afraid and now a lot of people like suddenly got tired of being afraid and uh, became really active uh, protesting for their rights. Uh, what is, what are people not tired of doing is, uh, uh, looking at like politics and seeing, oh, I cannot really change anything. Uh, this view can persist for generations. So uh, it's both a culture right. and yeah. a Russian current government trying not to to show that it's uh, nothing would nothing would ever change. Yep. Yeah, it's true. We haven't had a democracy in Russia, basically ever. You know. From the outside. But but in general, it doesn't seem that bad, and and internally and probably externally as well. Is that and, or, or maybe people from outside, is that uh, maybe there's no choice. It's not that, that it's bad and it couldn't be better and it couldn't be worse, but uh, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's actually not that bad or, you know, overall in terms of how, but, but I think maybe it isn't there. I mean, maybe that's actually the beginning of overall. Yeah, I feel it's, it's also a very valid, true, uh, very valid point. It's also very true that, uh, I mean, of course, if you don't have anything to eat, then it would probably motivate you to do something. But our like the history of 21st century kind of shows us that uh, a lot of systems may slowly degrade because just people, I mean, are I mean, yeah, are, are well enough. Maybe they are not like super rich. Maybe they're uh, not, not 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 very wealthy, and maybe they don't have the great perspective. I mean, great uh, uh, prospects of uh, like I don't know of growth or anything. But they are kind of somewhat fed, somewhat, I mean, they're fed, they're somewhat, uh, they can, uh, they have enough money for their basic needs and they are kind of like, okay, with that. That's, that's a very valid point. Another valid point is, another point I feel is that they, like, things like, uh, like uh, culture, gen general culture or like uh, political culture or any kind of culture or uh, people's uh, uh, like uh, population mindset and uh, like what I, uh, I, feel, I forgot was in German there is this word like zeitgeist like the yeah. spirit zeitgeist. of time yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it changes very very slowly so the times yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe in uh, like uh, now we see it as like uh, people are being apath uh, apathetic but in hundred years people will see it's like all oh, this like this like 20 30 40 years time period where uh russia was growing democracy and it became like democratic like it's a natural uh, where, progression yeah. to to, yeah. to what, it, what it, 
but yeah, uh, you know, but, but the sort of you know this progression is gonna like take ages if it's gonna go at this pace. Yeah. Where, you know, let's say you know one out of maybe thirteen uh, guests which we had so far. Uh, you know, mention anything like you know, like you sound pretty objective and pretty you know, like reasonable about the whole thing. Like you know, like you're not this. I don't know. Uh, you you're not throwing like. Um, I don't know some sort of uh, in, you know invectives into into the you know in, into the direction in the direction of the current government. It's you you like you know there needs to be a choice. It's not that that you're just uh, fundamentally flawed, but it's just we just you know we just need to have some other alternatives to choose from, and and then mm -hmm. we could maybe make a decision based on merit, and then then it could mm -hmm. work maybe better, right? For 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 the benefit of all of us you know not only this ruling class so so you know that's sort yeah. of i can sort of, sort of you know stand behind that because there's no let's say uh, you know there's no radical um you know there are no radical notes in in what you're sort of saying so yeah and, and, and another thing i just want to say in general uh, sorry for interrupting you for interrupting you uh it's oh. like actually a lot of a lot of processes i feel in the in the real world are uh uh, sort of uh, exponential. It's like uh, so. What what happens is that you like something like feel like looks like really really wild, but then it appears, and then in a few years it's like everywhere, like internet. Like it would be impossible to imagine internet in the 90s, but uh, I mean in the in the 80s it was like I guess I'm not that good on history of internet, but in the 90s it appeared. It like were like just a few geeks using it. And uh, then it got very rapidly developed, and then it's everywhere. So, so, uh, so is on maybe a different scale electricity and uh, computers. Uh, and I feel that um, kind of, um, and so, uh, so would actually I think happen with like artificial intelligence. It's like computers are dumb, dumb, dumb. At some point, they're getting smarter, smarter, smarter. At some point, they'll be almost uh, at the, I don't know. I mean, they were like playing chess, pretty playing like I don't know, chess or go very bad. They were somewhat better, somewhat better. Then they reached some point where they're like as good as as humans. And then in a few years, it's much better. So I feel that uh, the same actually applies to politics. It's kind of slow, 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 slow. But then it's kind of like self, like hits itself, like it has like positive back reaction. And maybe uh, at some point, it's just gonna, uh, I hope, uh, just exponentially uh, magnify itself and uh, change will appear like somewhat fast right so so it seems like it's basically crawling at the in, in the initial stages and then it, it's it's picking up mm -hmm. you know momentum and then it's just yeah. uh, it's like it's like I mean it's like uh, in, in, in physics we call it back reaction I, I don't know you, you know this sort of interest yeah uh, okay okay yeah, so, so it's about the same where you, you sort of add and yeah, compounded interest. There you go, Mikhail. Cool. Yeah. So, so it's the same sort of. Uh, Dear friends, I guess it's getting late uh, on both yeah. our sides of the globe. Uh, so, thank yeah. you very much, uh, Nikolai, in exciting talk about everything about <laughs> physics, uh, uh, economics, politics. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, take care and uh, many, many um, greetings to Katya. <laughs>
I'll, I'll pass my greetings to her. Yeah, I owe greetings to her. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel that like there, there are two forces here. Like one force, like uh, Mikhail's force that for, that goes into like uh, more like sciencey stuff, and uh, Martin force goes into more so. I mean, Mikhail's side, natural science, and uh, Martin to social science and politics. And I feel that uh, because like Martin was like driving, it's kind of like you like overtook. Yeah. Okay, yeah. mm, I will uh, uh, say uh, goodbye to Martin from you. Bye-bye. Thank okay. you, Nikolai. Пока. До свидания. До свидания.